who are here this morning. My name is Wayne, um, or you can call me Seasware. I, uh, I joined this church uh, about 15 years ago um, as a young man. I'm still a young man. And today my wife and I have the privilege of leading this church along with an eldership team. I never ever imagined I would be doing what I'm doing today, but I'm extremely grateful to be doing what I'm doing today. And I hope that you find us as a family this morning, and I hope you find a place, and I hope you make a friend, and I hope you get involved in all the things that we have, because it's all designed to bless you and to get you further with God. So um, let's get into the Word this morning. We, if you've just joined us, we're, we're doing a series at the moment on uh, knowing God. And uh, this week has been a week of prayer and fasting, and it's been a good week, amen? And just well done to all of those guys who've been coming out every night, so many of us coming out here every night this week, just praying and seeking God, and it's all part of the series, it's all part of the series of knowing God. And um, last week, in the series, sorry, what we're doing is we're just, we're looking at the nature of God, we're looking at who God is. And the idea being that we, we start the year um, not looking at ourselves and all the challenges that await us in 2017, but that we start this year looking at who God is. And as we behold Him, we become like Him, and as we behold Him, faith grows in our hearts, and we find that we have what we need to get through everything that we need to get through this year. So that's really the purpose of doing this series. This um, this. Last week, if you weren't here, um, I spoke about the glory of God, and I spoke about just what is the glory of God, and and how we, as the people of God, are meant to be carrying the glory of God. And I don't know about you, but this this whole week I've just been pondering that word, and and really my one prayer this whole week has been, Lord, fill us with Your glory, and um, and I feel like that's going to just be. My, my prayer for the, for the rest of this year as well. God, would you just continue to fill this church and fill each and every one of us with your glory. Today, we're going to be talking about the goodness of God, okay? And uh, if you have a Bible, you can, you can join me in, in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. When you're there, you can go, so I know you're there, but it'll also come on the screen for those who don't have a Bible. This morning, we, we're going to try, we're going to try, okay? We're going to try and understand the goodness of God. And as we, as we journey this morning and as we look at some scriptures around this topic of the goodness of God, uh, my prayer is this morning is that as we journey, if, if you have any doubts in your mind or if you have any confusion about the goodness of God, that this morning those doubts would evaporate and, and that confusion would just come into clarity. And even while we journey this morning, my prayer is that where you are right now, in the seat that you're sitting in, that you would actually start to experience the goodness of God this morning. My prayer is, is you know, the, in, in Psalm 27, David said this. He said, um, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, the goodness of God is something not only that we can behold, but something that we can experience, something that we can taste as well. And so as, we, as you sit here this morning, my, my prayer is that you're going to taste 
and then you're going to see that he is good. You're going to experience his goodness if you haven't yet experienced it already. And, and as we journey, I know that what's going to happen is, is faith is going to start to build in your, in your heart. You know, the, the Bible says this, that, is that, that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And, and as you hear the word of God, I, my job this morning is to build faith in you around the goodness of God. Build faith in you for the goodness of God. David said this, he said, where would I be if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living? You know, for, the Christian, for a Christian, the goodness of God is supposed to be the foundation of our, of our relationship with God. It's supposed to be the rock on which we stand when we come to God. That in our, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our faith, in our knowledge of who He is, that one thing that would be an anchor that would never move is that God is good and that He is good to me. And it's that faith in the goodness of God that starts to draw His goodness into our lives. David said, where would I be if I hadn't believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living? My life would, it would be in a completely different place if I didn't believe that God would be good. And it's interesting because the enemy always comes to try and cause us to doubt the goodness of God. And when we live in doubt, we don't have faith. And when we don't have faith, we can't access the things of God. And so my, my, my job this morning is I hope that faith will build in your heart that you would start to see God in all His goodness, that you would start to experience God in His goodness right now this morning. And that you'd leave here this morning with faith for his goodness. Just hold on one sec. Okay, there we go. We're back. All right, are you in Matthew chapter 7? All right, let's do this thing. Verse 7. These are the words of Jesus. And he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your Father in heaven, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Let's just pause. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. We pray, Dad, that You would open our eyes to understand, and our, our, our spiritual eyes, Lord, our eyes of understanding, to understand this Word. And we pray that, Lord, it would come forth, Lord, in a way, Lord, that would bring revelation to our hearts so that we can know and understand what You're saying to us. Amen. Jesus is talking in this passage of Scripture, and, and I, he's contrasting God with, with our earthly parents, okay, our earthly dads. And he's trying to make a point here. He's saying, guys, if, 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 if your earthly dads know how to give you good things, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? And what he's trying to say is, is this, is that the goodness that you might have experienced in your life by the hands of a parent or a teacher or an adult or somebody else 
Maybe just think when you were growing up, somebody did something good for you, bought you something awesome, paid for something amazing, you know, just somebody did any sort of good towards you. And Jesus is saying that good that you experienced back then doesn't actually even come close to the goodness that could come from your heavenly Father's hands. That all the good that you possibly could have had doesn't even compare to the goodness that your heavenly Father can give to you in your life. That scripture is there to bait us in. That scripture is there to say, wow, I wonder how good God could be. I wonder how amazing he is. What, what does God have for me? That scripture is meant to stir up something inside of you that would then start to ask, to knock, to seek, to go after the goodness of God. And this is the thing about the goodness of God is it's something that we as Christians need to go after. It's something that we need to pursue. And Jesus is saying you need to pursue it. You need to go after it. You need to run after it. You need to seek for it. You need to knock for it. You need to look for it because it's there and it's better than anything you've experienced in this life. So this is trying to bait us, this passage of Scripture. But the word, there's one word there that I want us just to, to focus on there. Just the one word. And it's that word evil. Can you, just, can you see the word evil there? Jesus says this. He says, if you then being... Can you say evil in an evil voice this morning? There we go. We've got some evil villain laugh. Give me your best villain laugh this morning. <laughs> Evil, you know? <laughs> okay, it's this word I want us to focus on for just a moment here this morning, okay? If you then being, what? Evil. Say it in an evil voice. Come on, if you then being? Evil. Jesus calls us evil. I don't know, when I looked at this passage and this scripture for the first time, I thought, no way. No way. Jesus calling us evil. Let me go check out the Greek of that word evil, because maybe somehow in the English, from Greek to English, somehow it's got, it's just, it doesn't mean evil, you know, maybe it just means like, I don't know, mediocre, or something, maybe so, so I went to the Greek, and I looked up this word evil, and it's the word poneros, okay, it'll come up there, and it means this, it means wicked, morally culpable, or guilty, bad, malicious, or figuratively, it can mean calamitous, or disease, yo, Jesus, aren't you supposed to say like nice things and, and build us up and, and, and just like encourage us because you're that good teacher, Jesus? You're calling us culpably, morally culpable, bad, wicked, and malicious, diseased even. How many of you agree Jesus is not giving us a compliment in this passage? <laughs> He's definitely not complimenting us in this passage. I mean, this... This, this is basically like calling somebody the devil. I mean, it's basically in our language today, it's like you're saying, you're like the devil. You're like evil. You, I mean, we would, this would be an insult if you had to say this to somebody else, wouldn't it? If you had to go to somebody and say that you are actually wicked. Well, actually, we can't do that anymore because wicked can mean like good in our days. But Because <laughs> that's like wicked, man. I was like, what? That's bad. Like, anyway, streets things, okay, I'm learning, not, <laughs> you, you evil, I mean, we, it's like, you're the devil, that, that's, most of us would be insulted, wouldn't you be insulted, I, I would be insulted if you had to call me that word, Poneros, over there, 
Why would we be insulted by this word that Jesus mentions here? Because we don't think of ourselves as evil. We don't. We think of ourselves as good people, right? We're not evil. We're awesome. We're great. Why would anyone call us evil? You see, we use these words good and evil. And in the evil category, people who are evil, these are like your, your terrorists, right? And, and like your, those evil regimes that committed genocide, you know, the Nazis or whatever. They, they're in the category of evil. Or, you know, the terrorists who blow up buildings and, and schools and shoot kids. And mass murderers. People who commit genocide, human trafficking, you know, when they're trafficking children and selling children on the black market and stuff, that is evil in our language, right? And our logic works like this. It's, our logic goes, I am not a mass murderer and I haven't committed genocide and I'm not involved in human trafficking, so therefore I am not evil. And if I am not evil, therefore I am I'm good. So how is it that then Jesus is calling us evil in this passage? Um, Because it's interesting to note that Jesus is not actually talking to mass murderers here. He's not actually talking to terrorists here. He's actually talking to a, a typical gathering of Jewish citizens, moms, dads, even children. Some of his own family members were probably present at this at this time and he was he he was calling them evil and we know from the rest of scripture that if jesus had to gather us together us average citizens together he would unfortunately also use this word poneris on us as well why would jesus do this jesus is supposed to say nice things to us why is he saying such horrible things and why he's is he insulting us well The reason why he's saying this about us is because his definition of evil and good is very different to our definition of evil and good. Can I can I can I illustrate something for you this morning? Can I'm going to be a pastor with illustrations this morning? I'm going to need you, Spiway, if you wouldn't mind coming up here, and um, I'd like you just to grab this golden ribbon this morning. There you go. Okay, find one end and, and, and the other. Okay, there we go. And um, can I ask you, Kumlani, if you wouldn't mind dropping your iPad and coming over here. And can you hold this end? Okay, now we're going to make one side of... This is how we think about good and evil this morning. Okay, keep it, keep it nice and tight, gents. Okay, no tug of war. Keep it clean, all right? <laughs> I know it's tempting, all right? So... so Typically, when we think about good and evil, we, we have the scale in our minds. One extreme at that end and another extreme at that end. Who should we make evil and good here? <laughs> evil. He's got, evil because he's got a beard, okay? So, <laughs> is that because you can't grow a beard? Or I just, I, I just <laughs> okay, we're going to go for that, okay? Sorry, bro. You're, you're the evil, okay, extreme on this side, and this is the, the good extreme on this side. Now, in, in our minds, okay, in our minds, evil, good, all right? Now, 
Where would we put Mother Teresa on this thing? Okay, okay, yeah? Keep going. More like, yeah. She's, she's there, okay. All right, where would we put like the, the Hitlers and the mass murderers? All, all the way down, down here. Sorry, Spiway. Okay, down, down somewhere over here, okay. Where, where would we put, uh, where would we put Lindor on the scale? <laughs> Just say, he's watching, he says. Some of you are saying this. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask where we're going to put Langer, okay? I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> sit down, man, sit down. Okay, so, so maybe a little bit this way. Okay, I'm not going to ask where you're going to put me on this thing. Where, where would you be on this thing? I'm somewhere here in the middle. Where, where would you be on the scale over here? Typically somewhere here. Hey, somewhere here. Just, so we're not really sure where, but, but definitely away from that end. More towards this side. This is going to be the good side, right? Okay. So, so this is what we do. But there's a couple problems with, with our good evil scale. But number one is typically we put a person at the pinnacle. Mother Teresa went all the way to the end. Hey, didn't she? And, and, and on the scale, okay, we move up and down on the scale subjectively based on what we decide. Okay. So, so I asked you, where are you on the scale? You actually didn't know. But you knew where you would like to be. <laughs> and typically, you will move up and down on the scale. You see, if I had to put some people here, like maybe Eloise, come stand over here. And Langer, okay, we'll let you come, but you're going to be over here. All right? You can stay here, El. Okay, Langer, you're going to stand over here. So typically, what we do is person is at the pinnacle, and then we look at the people around us, and we go, yeah, yeah, definitely here. And over here, maybe, maybe here. So I'm not here, but I'm not there, so I'm here, but I know we're all not there, okay? So this is, this is kind of how we, but it's, but it's all, thank you. It's all subjective. You guys stay, all right? It's all subjective. It's all based on, on what we think or feel and, and maybe even how good we've been. Yeah? Like if maybe this hasn't been a good week for you, maybe you're thinking. But after today, because you came to church... You're moving up, you know? You're moving up the scale. <laughs> okay, now this, this is, so it's all, it's all subjective. It's all based on, on our, what, what we think is right and wrong. Now, when, this, this is very different to, the, to Jesus' scale, okay? Can I tell you how different Jesus' scale is to this? If, if Jesus had to define, what's this? This is evil, right? If Jesus had to decide, define Oh, can I just say, there's another problem with our scale. In, in our model, all right, it's okay to have a little bit of bad as well as good. We all know that if we're somewhere here, we're here because we're not there, but we're not there, be, but there is a little bit of us there. Do you know what? It's okay as long as the scale, keep it tight, as long as the scale tips this way, we kind of feel like it's okay. Like the, the good works outweigh the bad works, so, so we're going to... We're going to be okay, all right? Now, the problem that it's different to Jesus, can I tell you what Jesus' scale looks like? In Jesus' definition, if he's going to define good, all right, 
Jesus, good according to Jesus, means the complete, absolute absence of any form of evil whatsoever. Good, according to Jesus' definition, means there is no evil in any way. In our definition, we're good, but we've got a little bit of bad, and and it's okay that the two live together. In Jesus' definition, good can have no relationship with evil. It's like night, uh, darkness and light. There's just no relation. You either have one or you have the other. You can't have the two at the same darkness and light can't be at the same time, okay? So, so in Jesus, this relationship that with evil, if you wouldn't mind just letting it go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If this is going to be good, there's no relationship with evil. There's no tie to evil whatsoever. Can you, can you just pull that all in and keep it with you? <laughs> and, uh, and you can stay here as our reference point for, for absolute good, okay? So this is why Jesus said in Mark 10, verse 18, he said, there is none good but, but God. And the word good that he used there is the word agathos, which means that God is essentially, absolutely, and consummately good. So there is, there is none good but God. And, and all of us in this room, if I'm going to just ask you just to be honest for a moment, okay? When, you, when we had our scale up here, you were, pretty much, you were very, very honest to say, yes, I see some good in me, but there's also some bad in me. Isn't that correct? Okay. Now, according to Jesus' definition, are you still able to be over here in this category, knowing that you're still some bad in you? knowing that there's still some inclination of wrongness in you, some proclivity towards bad stuff. I mean, even for the most part, you could be doing a lot of good things in your life, you know, but, but there's still that inclination towards things that are wrong. You know, the Bible describes our condition, it, it's, it's called sin, and it uses the illustration of yeast to try and describe sin to us. You know what yeast meant? What you do is there's this thing called yeast, and you put it in dough, in bread. That's like the ingredients for bread. And then you put it in the oven and it makes it rise so you have a loaf of bread. Okay, just so you know. All right? Now, the yeast, all right, we'll learn this at the men's meeting. Not. <laughs> yeast, it just takes a tiny bit of yeast and you can put it into some dough. And what it does is it influences that entire dough. It influences every part of it so that the dough then is changed completely because that yeast is there. And the Bible says that's what sin is. And the Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us have sin. And sin lives in every one of us. And it's like a little bit of yeast. What it's done is it's influenced every part of us. And so even though when we look at our good scale, we think we're doing a lot of good things, the, the, the challenge is sometimes even when we're doing the good things, we're doing it for selfish reasons or because we want to be seen by people or, you know, there's, there's some sort of something there that's, that's not right, even in the good that we do. And sometimes we put ourselves on this end of the good scale because we're not doing some of the bad things. But in our hearts, we look at some of those bad things and we go, mm, I actually really want some of those bad things. There's these secret longings for these bad things, these, these lusts in our heart for them, even though we're not doing them on the exterior. On the exterior, everybody thinks we're good. But on the interior, our hearts are longing after these things. And Jesus said this, it's, it's the same. If you're longing for it on the inside or if you're doing it on the outside, I, I want the whole heart. I, I'm, I require complete 
goodness. And so, let's be honest this morning, according to Jesus' scale now, can we put ourselves here, knowing our condition? No. So where else is there left for us to go? (laughs) Well, where else could we be but here? And that's why he said, if you then being morally culpable, wicked, he, he puts us all in the same. How many laws do you have to break in order to be a lawbreaker? Just one, and you're in the same category. And so, so this is what Jesus' scale looks different. So, so in our scale, okay, we could advance up and down on the scale based on what we did. If you do some good things, like you're at church now, so you're going to put yourself a little further up the scale, okay? Maybe you're going to like help mom later with dishes or whatever, so you're going to go up the scale, and you're feeling good about that. You're feeling like, yeah, I'm going up, you know? I'm doing up until Monday, right? <laughs> and, and we advance by comparing ourselves to others and by doing good things. In Jesus' model, I want you to notice that there is no way we can get there. There is nothing that is connecting us to good. Why? Because good is the complete absence of any form of evil. See, that's, that's pretty much the reason why God won't allow us into heaven. Because we'd ruin it. <laughs> what is the problem with the world today? It's not global warming. It's not pollution. It's not a lack of education. It's people. You know, wherever people show up, there's the problem, okay? So if, if we showed up in heaven right now, all of us, let's go, let's go, as we are, as we are right now, that won't be good, in, heaven won't be good anymore. Why? Because heaven will be the, is the complete absence of evil. And so, so in Jesus' model, we are in this category over here, and we are trapped in this category. There is no way for us to get to being good. We can try and do a whole lot of good deeds, but there's still that inclination. There's still the heart motives that are wrong. There's still the the secret ambitions of our heart. And God sees everything. He sees the heart. He sees our motives. He sees everything. We we can fill people on the outside. Outside people can think, yo, pass away. You are holy. You are you. You are good. But God looks at the heart and he knows the secret inclinations of the heart and he knows whether that's true or not, inside and outside. And so we are actually trapped in this place. But now the good news is, that God doesn't leave us here in this trapped place. Okay, I need a Jesus. Admire, can you be Jesus here? Claire's just saying hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Would you like to just hold that end? Okay. So, so, God, so Jesus was with God. The Word was with God. Okay. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So, so where's this other end here? Can you just find it there? Okay, so, so what God did, oh, we're going to make a knot now. So we should have actually had a woman Jesus, but I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right, there we go. That's good. This is what Jesus does, guys. He's, he solves the problems in our life. All the knots that we're in, you know, the jam that we're in, he, he works it out for us, you know? Okay. So Jesus is in heaven, and, and he says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go rescue them that are evil in that category, that are trapped. And so he leaves heaven, and the Word becomes flesh. And then the Word dwells amongst us, okay, over here. 
All right, let's stand, stand a little bit over here like this, okay? You're still evil, okay? You can face everyone <laughs> over there. <laughs> okay. And Jesus, while he was on earth, maintained his holiness. Keep it nice and tight so, we can, so everyone can see there. Jesus, while he was on earth, in our realm, in this fallen world, he maintained his holiness. The Bible says he was tempted in every single way like we were. He took on flesh in every way that we take on flesh. And he tried in every way we are tried. And yet, hey, <laughs> rebuke him, okay? Say, <laughs> so get behind me, Satan, okay? <laughs> he was tempted in every way, yet he maintained this perfect relationship with the Father the whole time. And he had this incredible relationship, and he remained completely pure and untainted by sin. And then what he did was he made the offer at the cross, and he said to the world, he says, world, I will save you from all your wicked deeds, okay? And I will give my relationship that I have with the Father to you. Can you put your arms out like you're going to make the sign of the cross? Let go of this. Yeah, okay, on the cross. There's Jesus on the cross. He says, I will give this perfect relationship that I have with the Father to you in exchange. You can... Put all your bad, evil, wicked deeds on me, and I'll take the punishment with it. And the relationship that I enjoyed with the Father, now you can enjoy with it. I was a son, now you will become a son. I was holy, now you will be holy in my Father's sight. Okay, isn't that awesome? So this is, this is so, yeah, let's, let's wrap this on you, okay? This is, this is all over you, okay? There we go. He's, he's still on the cross, if you wouldn't mind just keeping your, your hands out there. Okay, so Jesus takes everything from us on the cross, okay? And, and we become holy in God's eyes, and we can enjoy a relationship with God. And now, we grow in goodness, not by doing good deeds so that other people can see us and rate us and put us on a scale or give us some earthly reward. Now, we do, now, now the way we grow in goodness is we grow in our relationship with God. So as we get to know God, as we grow in faith, as we, as we learn more about Him, as we look at His goodness, we allow His goodness to come and transform us. And it's a different type of goodness. It's a pure goodness. It's, we're not rating ourselves against the world standard anymore. God is now the standard. There's no human being at the pinnacle of our good scale. It's God Himself at the good scale, at the end of our scale. And so we're growing in goodness as we grow in our relationship with God. And it's all because of Jesus. Amen? Why don't you just put this down where it is over there, and yeah, you can take your seat as well, admire. Uh, give them a hand as they go. Now, you can take your seats. Thank you. He was just so excited he was not good. You know, he didn't want to leave. <laughs> um, now, now there, there is a challenge with this model, okay, this, this, this new thing that Jesus has introduced. And and it's this, is that at this point, we, we have to accept Jesus' offer. Okay? We, have to, we have to exchange all of us and take all of him in that moment. There has to be a complete change. And we have to stop trusting in our own good works and trust in the good works that Jesus did, the, that, that he did them all for us in that moment. Now, for some of us, this might be hard. How many of you know the story of, of the, um, the rich young ruler? Do you know that story? There was a guy, he was loaded. 
He had lots of possessions, a driving fancy car, BMW. He had like flashy stuff, okay? He was really rich. He comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, tell me what I must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's only one good, but God, Mark 10, 18. There's only one good, but God. And, and he, you know the law. And so he says, but Jesus, all the laws, all the, all the things in the law, I've been keeping them since I was a youth. And Jesus says this, but one thing you lack, go sell everything that you have. Come and follow me. Be my disciple. I will give you riches in heaven. And the young man, what happens? Is he leaves sad. He walks away from Jesus. He doesn't accept Jesus' offer that Jesus gives him. He leaves sad. Um, And Jesus says these words. He says, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples are amazed at this. And they're like, oh my goodness, how can anybody get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, look, it's even more difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. And a lot of us, when we've read that parable, we've always thought of it in terms of material wealth, haven't we? That if you're rich, it's difficult to get into heaven. But you know what? I read that passage this last week in New Eyes. What if Jesus was talking not only to earthly wealth, but also to goodness wealth. Did you notice that that rich young guy, he, he was rich in two things. He was rich in what? Possessions. But he was also rich in what else? In good works. In his own good deeds. He was rich in his own goodness as well. And you know what? There's this truth about earthly wealth. You know, if, if you have a lot of money, there is a pride that can creep in. There's a self-sufficiency that can creep in. And eventually, after a while, you, you, you think, well, why do I need God? You know, I have everything I want. I'm, I'm the God of my own life, you know? And so there is this trap. And it is, you know, there's a trap with earthly wealth. And if you've got wealth, you have to search your heart. You have to make sure that you're depending on God. You're not depending on your wealth. But there's also a trap that comes when we depend on our own goodness. There's also a danger when we start to trust in our own good deeds. How difficult it is for a man who is rich in wealth, but also rich in good deeds to enter. You see, because when you're rich in good deeds and you think you're a good person, then you don't need Jesus. You don't. Most of the people, when you talk to them on the street today, you'll, you'll ask them, do you think you're a good person? They'll say, yeah, I think I'm a good person. Why? Because they're not a terrorist. They're not a mass murderer. They're, not, they're still operating on the good scale. They're not on Jesus' definition of good. And what they're doing is they're saying this, is they're saying, I'm sure God won't judge me. I'm sure God will, uh, my goodness is enough to stand in the presence of a holy God. And I'm sure I'll be okay at the end of my life. Therefore, I don't need church. I don't need religion. I don't need all these things because why? I'm a good person. Jesus said this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There needs to be a poorness on us where, where we take all our, our, our good deeds, all the things that, you know, that we thought we were trusting in, and we put them on Jesus. We not only put our sin on Jesus, but we also put our good deeds. All the things that you're trusting in still for salvation with God, you put them also on Jesus. Is this making sense to you this morning? That's why the elders in the book of the Revelation, they cast down their crowns before the king. They cast down what? Their accolades. 
their achievements as well. Not only do we have to lay down our sin, but we also have to lay down any form of achievement, any form of self-righteousness as well as our evil deeds and put them on Jesus as well. And we need to, by faith, trust completely in Christ. So many people are caught up in religion and they're trusting in the fact that they go to church every Sunday to get into heaven. That won't do it for you. You have to put your trust in Jesus, not in your good works. Your good works, the Bible says, are like filthy rags before God. There's no way that you could, in all your good works, get to God, get to the goodness that God is talking about. And isn't it true? Haven't you tried? Haven't you tried? Church, haven't you tried? Haven't you tried to be good? This week, I'm going to be good. And be nice. I'm going to be good to my boss. I'm good to my good father. Good husband. Good at job. Good at this. Good at stewarding things. I'm going to be good. 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 <laughs> and we just we just can never get to that standard. And Jesus says, you know what? Cease from doing that. Put your faith and trust in my relationship with God. I will give you the righteous. Give me all of that, and I will give you a relationship with God. And we have to put our trust there. That's why Paul who used to be Saul, was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, I was a Pharisee of the story, born of the tribe of Jew, of Benjamin. I was, uh, when it came to the law, I was perfect. You know, and I was obeying all the external rules and laws. And he said this in Philippians chapter 3, he says, but now I count them all as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Because in Christ... There is a righteousness which God ascribes that doesn't come from our own good works, but it comes from God. And he counts all those things as rubbish. I want you, so I just, I'm, I'm laboring this this morning because I know that some of you are still trusting in your ability to get good. And you have to surrender that. You have to surrender and receive what Christ has to offer us this morning. And why am I laboring this this morning as well? Well, because this forms a foundation for a couple other questions that we're going to ask this morning. Okay? It's understanding this that helps us to understand the goodness of God. See, the goodness of God is best represented, the foundation for it, in the fact that He did not stay in all His goodness. The fact that He did not stay over here, but that He actually gave that up and stepped into our realm, which is full of chaos and mess and sin, and made a way for us to come and step into His goodness. There is no better representation of goodness than that. And Paul said, scarcely would somebody come and die for even a good person. It's unheard of that someone would die for a bad person. I mean, if there was somebody in prison right now who was on trial for mass murder or something like that, and they were on trial, and they were going to be, let's say the death penalty still stood in our country, and they're going to go and they're going to get hung, okay, or the electric chair or something, would you, if the, if the judge had to say this, but, but if somebody else wants to take your place and the punishment for your crime, we'll allow that. How many of you have got your hand up to go take his place? <laughs> Why? He's deserving. He's deserving of his thing, of his stuff. He deserves it. I, I'm not going to put my hand up and go take the lecture chair for that guy. 
But the goodness of God is this, is that He didn't stay in all His goodness. He left His goodness. He came into our realm and He took all the bad. Every evil inclination in you, every thought, every motive, every wrong action, every wrong word, He said, I will take it and I'll give you my goodness so that you can have it. There's no better representation of the goodness of God than that. Amen. You can say hallelujah if you believe it this morning. Okay, stay with me this morning. Okay, there's more. All right? This, this helps us to understand so much. The big question in all of our minds is this. Okay, it's going to come up this morning. It's, if God is good, then why is life so tough? Now, that was just the foundation for for us exploring some answers to this question. If God is good, why is? Would you just turn and ask the person next to you that question this morning? Turn and ask him this morning. If, If God is good, why is life so tough? This helps us to understand, okay? I'm going to give you three answers to to this question this morning about the goodness of God. Because God's goodness is on trial every single day. And often in our own hearts. Alright? And I want us to have an answer to it this morning. I'm going to give you three answers this morning. And depending on where you're at this morning, I hope one of these answers will suffice for you this morning. Help you to understand the goodness of God. Help you to experience the goodness of God in your life. Okay? The first answer to this question is, why, if God is good, why is life so tough? Is because we live in a fallen world where the gospel is being proclaimed. Okay? That's the first answer to this question. So, remember this was the evil side over here. Remember this is a fallen world over here. Life is not tough in this place. Because God isn't good. God remains good despite what we see in this place. The reason why this is tough in this realm is because this is a fallen world. This world is not what it should be. This entire world has been tainted by sin. Sin has entered into this world. And because sin is in this world, creation is under a curse. The ground is under a curse. And our lives struggle. And we struggle to relate with one another. And we struggle to relate with God. And we struggle to build things that are God-honoring. Often we find ourselves doing things that are not God-honoring. And the result is that life down here is tough. Life is hard. Jesus even said this in John 16. He said, in this world, in this fallen space over here, you will have tribulation, hallelujah, you will have trials, you will have distress, and you will have frustration. Don't leave now. (laughs) But then he does say this, but take heart for I have overcome this world. I've made a way out of this world. I will deal with this world. I will solve this problem that you see right now. One day it will be solved completely. But while you're here, remember that you're living in a realm where there is fallenness. There is sin. And so you must understand that God still remains good. Okay? Just because we're experiencing this right now doesn't mean that He is not good there anymore. 
The reason why this is bad is because there's this thing called sin. And then a lot of us go, well, God, why don't you just just sort out all the evil in this world? Just destroy all the evil in this world. And the problem with that thinking is that evil is not something that's out there. Evil is something that's in here, in our hearts. And so if God were to actually solve this world's problem, He would have to destroy all of us. (laughs) Because evil is not out there, it's in here. So He needed a solution called the gospel that could clean people from the inside out and rescue them from this world. Okay? He needed something that could come. I call it a, um, a cure. What do, you, what do you call these things? An antidote. All right? An antidote to our, to our problem. And that is the gospel. That is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. He needed a, something all right, that would come in and save humans so that he wouldn't have to judge and destroy all the evil that's in this world. And you know how God thinks? He thinks, you know what? I'm going to let, what's the day today? The 15th of 20. Some of you are like, oh, is it 2017? Yeah, it's 2017. Welcome. Happy New Year. It's the 15th of January, 2017. And God says this. He says, I will let this day continue because my gospel, my antidote is still being proclaimed. I will allow this fallen world in all its mess, in all its trouble, in all its strife, in all its toughness, in all its issues, in all its problems, I'm going to let it continue because there's still people there that I love and my gospel is still being proclaimed and I want more people to be rescued from this world. I don't want to deal with it right now. And the reason why we have today is because God believes in His gospel. The reason why we have today is because God is good. The very reason why he hasn't come and actually destroyed and wiped out the earth today like he did in the days of Noah does not say, does not indicate that he isn't good. It indicates that he is good. It indicates that he's got mercy. It indicates that he's got patience. It indicates that he's got kindness. It indicates that he's got long-suffering. And as long as, you know, there's still people who don't know, but the gospel's still being proclaimed, maybe one more person will come in. And you know what? I'll let it go for two days if maybe another two more people will still come in. Maybe I'll let it go for the month of January because I know in January the gospel's going to be proclaimed in all these nations and a whole bunch of new people are going to come in. Maybe I'll let it go on to February because there's people in every nation church, Durban, who are going to speak the gospel to their friends at work and their colleagues and their, and their fellow students and they're going to share the gospel with them and they're going to come in so I'm going to let March happen as well. You see, it's actually the goodness of God that is allowing this still to continue. If He wasn't good, He wouldn't have made a plan for us. If He wasn't good, He would have let this, He would have destroyed all of this already now <laughs> and not allowed us to come in. So why? If God is good, why is life so tough? Well, because we live in a fallen world where the gospel is being proclaimed. Okay, that's answer number one. Answer number B. Are you still with me this morning? Know somebody next to you. Check their pulse. Check their awake. Don't let them go to sleep now. Okay, this is when it's starting to get good. All right. The second answer to this question this morning is this. is Because in God's definition, tough can mean good. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to have to stand behind the pulpit for this one. 
In God's definition, say it back to me. Tough. Say it. In whose definition? In God's definition. You see, there there is a presumption attached to the question, if God is good, then why is life so tough? There's a presumption. And the presumption is this, is that if God is good, then life should be easy. If God is really good, then my life should be easy. He should be doing the things I want Him to do in the way I want Him to do it and when I want Him to do it. If He was good, then He would do what I want Him to do. Isn't that right? That's the presumption behind this question, which if you think about it, is very much the way children think. You know, with my kids, what I've noticed is I'm a very good dad when I'm buying them ice cream. When I am rewarding them and playing with them and buying them ice cream and nice things, and they say, Dad, this, and I'm buying them a new cricket kit or whatever it is, I am suddenly, I am a good dad. But when I make them eat their vegetables or stop playing Xbox or make tidy their room, suddenly now I'm, I'm not a good dad anymore. I am a strict and I am a mean dad. Why? Because I'm not giving them what they want when they want. All right? And the way that they want as well. And this is how a lot of people think about God. Is God is strict. God is mean. Why? Because he's not giving me what I want and when I want it. And the truth is this. I never stopped being a good dad when I made my kids eat their vegetables or do their homework. I never stopped. I, in fact, those things reinforce the fact that I am a good dad. Isn't that true? I would not be a good dad if I didn't make them eat their vegetables, right? Their broccoli and their carrots, which they had to eat last night, you know? I I would cease from being a good dad. And the writer of Hebrews, he says this. He says, he says, Your earthly fathers disciplined you as seemed good to them. This is in Hebrews chapter 12. We won't go there for the sake of time. Your earthly fathers disciplined you as seemed good to you, but God disciplines those whom He loves. Yes, He even chastens those whom He loves. Your earthly fathers did it as seemed good to them, but He does it for your good. Why? So that you can be a sharer, that you can share in His holiness. Us, not like our earthly parents, as as it seemed good to them. He disciplines us for our good so that we can share in His holiness. You see, when you understand this, church, get this. When you understand this, that, that life, when you understand that life is not about you getting what you want all the time, when you want it, in the way that you want it, the time you want it. But life is actually about sharing in the holiness of God. It's when you understand that, 
that you look at the tough thing that you're going in through, the tough moment that you're going through, and you realize that it's the goodness of God that is actually allowing you to go through this moment. I don't know where you're at maybe this morning. Maybe you're in a place where life is tough and it's hard and, and maybe you've got loads of responsibility and, and maybe you don't have much help and maybe you've got transport problems or finance issues or, or maybe you've got family problems and, and, and spouse issues and, and you, maybe you've got health issues that you're going through right now and, and maybe there's nobody in your world and, and nobody who's even noticing the fact that you're sacrificing, that fact that you're working so hard, the fact that, 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 you know, that, that, you act, that you're actually doing something with your life. Nobody's noticing, no one's rewarding you and it's difficult and maybe you're in a place where there's spiritual warfare and, and you just want to get out of this place. You would do anything just to leave this life, just to have a do-over. But the problem is while you're in this place where it's so tough, you can't even see out of it. You can't even see hope. You can't even see a way through it because it's all so encompassing right now. It's everywhere you look. But when you understand that He never changes and that life is not about just getting everything you want but about sharing in His holiness, that in some strange way this situation that you find yourself in that is so hard and it's so tough raising kids in this world and it's so tough providing and it's so hard doing this ministry and it's so hard working with this boss and this life and, but I can't go anywhere else and I don't know anything. It's so hard. It's, in some strange way, you know that it's good <laughs> because this situation is building something in you. It's forging something in you. It's causing you to dig deep. It's causing you to persevere. It's causing you to like go into your prayer room and pray. And to take the Word of God and start to apply it and stand on it and declare it over your life. And it's forcing you to go deep in worship. And it's forcing you to trust God. And it's teaching you how to build faith. It's building these faith muscles. And the way muscles form is that muscles tear, they rip, and then they get built up again. And you feel like you're being torn, but it's good because something else is building at the same time. And you know that in this moment, even though it's so tough, it's doing something good in you. It's building in you a dependency on God. It's drawing you closer to God. It's forcing you to reach out to other brothers and sisters in accountability. It's teaching you how to do spiritual family. It's teaching you how to rely on the Word of God. It's teaching you how to have faith. It's building something in you. It's actually crediting your account more than it's debiting your account. When you understand that He never changed. Romans 8.28 says this. God works all things to the good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. If you love God this morning and you know you called into His purpose, you know that He wants you, you're not in disobedience, you're not 
in the wrong city. You're not doing the wrong thing with the other. You, where He's called you to be. You know that you love Him and that you're in the purposes of God. You can rest assured that this toughness is working something to your good. Why? Because tough can mean good in God's definition. Tough can mean good. And God would not be good if He just rescued us out of every tough situation. But in His goodness, He allows it to go through it because it's disciplining us. It's building character in us. It's teaching us how to do relationships deeply, life more intimately. It's teaching us how to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? In God's definition, tough can still mean good. Tough can mean good. Tough can mean good. Can. And God hasn't changed in it all. You know, I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He's sweating blood. And and He's praying alone. And His body is literally giving up because of the tough situation that He's in. It, and he's actually crying out to God and he's saying, God, if, if possible, let this cup pass. But if not, then not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was in the toughest of the toughest circumstances. The next day he was about to be beaten, flogged, publicly executed, hung naked on a tree, whipped, carried the entire sin of the world, be separated from his father. This was, it was incredible, tough, tough, tough stuff. Let me ask you this. Did God ever cease being good in that moment? No, it was actually the goodness of God being displayed in that moment. Why? Because it was in that moment that God was qualifying Jesus for the highest position in all of creation. The name that's above every other name belongs to Him. Why? Because He went through some tough stuff. There are some rewards. (laughs) The Apostle Peter said that await us, which when you compare them to the situation we're going through, they pale in comparison. They pale in comparison. Yet you know what we have in the church today? We have, we have such an immature understanding of God. And we think that because life is tough, God has stopped being good. Is there any, is there any sort of theology still in us for suffering. <laughs> Can God in our theology actually come and ask us, like He asked Jesus, to do something very difficult for Him for a greater cause? Can He do that? Can God still come and ask us to sacrifice something for Him? Can He, can he ask you to live on less money so that His kingdom can advance in the world? Can he do that? Can he ask you to love somebody who doesn't deserve in your eyes to be loved? Can he ask you to stay when everybody else is going? Can he ask you to go to a city that's not your choice and you could live there for the rest of your life? Can he ask you to do something in your eyes that looks tough, that looks hard, and can he still be good? And can He still remain good in our eyes? Church, He does. He asks us to do hard things every single day. Why? So that we can share in His holiness. 
he asks, he still asks us to do stuff. So I know in my own life, he's asked me to do some hard things. He's asked me to do some hard things. And then, you know what, you know me, my personality, when, when, the, when the hard task is given, I'm like, let's do it. Anything for your kingdom, Lord. Here I am. Send me. And then the journey starts. Oh, Lord. And then it gets hard. And then it gets tough. And then you're sacrificing. And then you're laboring. And then you're working so hard. And then you, you just can't see a way out. And it gets difficult. And things get hard. And what happens in that moment? We start to doubt the goodness of God. We start to doubt that He's good. Why? Because it's getting tough. And we don't actually realize that, no, it's for our good that we go through this. Because somehow at the end of it, He's actually crediting it to our account. Romans 8, 28 says that God will turn all things. He will turn the tough to the good because you love Him, because you're called according to His purposes. You know you're called. You know you're doing what He's asked you to do, and it's hard. Let me tell you something. He never, ever stopped being good. He wouldn't be good if He just jumped in and rescued you from that moment. Amen? My last one this morning is, if God is good, then why is life tough? The third answer this morning is, is because we do life without God. Are you still okay? I'll just wrap up with this. Because we do life without God. You see, let me explain this to you this morning. Evil doesn't exist in and of itself. In the same way that cold doesn't exist in and of itself. Cold is what? The absence of heat. We've got no way to measure cold. We measure heat. Okay, so there's no such thing as cold. There's actually absence of heat. Just like we don't have anything, darkness. Okay, darkness, no such thing as darkness in and of itself. What is darkness? Darkness is an absence of, of light. Evil doesn't exist in and of itself. Evil is an absence of, of God. Okay, goodness, it's an absence of God, the ultimate goodness. That's what evil is. And so we experience evil and we experience toughness in this world, not because God isn't good, but, but because there's a lack of God in this world. And maybe there's a lack of God in your life. And that's the reason why you're experiencing so much toughness. Think about this for a moment. How many of you have seen those movies like War Room, those Christian movies, Facing the Giants? You know, there's, there's something amazing in these movies. Is, is the main character, gets, their life just gets really hard. Did you, do you notice that? Like think about Facing the Giants. Their life just gets so hard. It's like it's so tough. Like everything is going wrong. You can't have kids. The team's failing. They want to fire him as a coach. Everything is just getting tough and tougher and tougher and tougher. Tougher. <laughs> it's getting tougher all the time. And then they come to this moment and we're like, oh, finally, where they get on their knees and they say, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. God, would you come into my life? 
And they start to bring God by faith into their life, into their marriage, into the job, into the football team he was leading. He starts to bring God the Word. He starts to bring the Scriptures. He starts to get back into church and into worship. And he starts to fill his life with more of God. And it's incredible how their lives after that, they, they start to, that's the word for 2017, okay? We are blossoming. Their lives start to blossom. Why? Because they started to put more God in their life. Could it be that life is so tough for you right now this morning because there's not much God in your life? Could it be that your marriage is so hard because there's not much God in the marriage? Could it be that your finances are so tough because there's not much God in the finances? Could it be that in your friendship circles, it's so tough because there's not much God in there. Maybe you need to invite God into your world a little bit more. Maybe you need to start pulling Him in because, you know, when He comes in, we, like Isa, there is a blossoming that starts to happen. Amen. I'm done. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Um, sorry, we've gone on a bit long this morning, but can we just can we just have a moment this morning just to reflect on the word? Just if you wouldn't mind, just not moving around. Just if we could just kind of respond to the word. And I know it's warm, and I know it's been a long morning, but this is important. In summary, this morning, God is good. Absolutely, essentially, completely good. And just because life is hard, it doesn't mean that He ever stops being good. Ever. Right now, where you are this morning, I want you to see the goodness of God to you this morning. And if you're in a tough place this morning, I want you to know that the truth of the scripture is that if you love him, if you called according to his purpose, he is working it to your good. It's hard right now, but he's never changed. He's never changed. He hasn't changed. He's still good to you right now. It's, it's good. It's His goodness that's allowing us. And He's right there, right here, right now to give you the strength, to give you the courage, to give you the hope that you need to press on through and be victorious. There's no testimony without the trial. There's a testimony at the end of this for you. Ward at the end of it. And if that's you this morning, and you're just going through toughness this morning, I'm just praying for you. Father, would you just come and refresh those, Lord, who are tough, going through tough stuff, going through difficulties, going through problems and trials and tests of all sorts. Father God, I pray this morning that you would come refresh, revive, that you would come strengthen, that you would come and help. 
good news to us is that you don't have to deal with it on your own. He's always there to comfort you there. He's always there to encourage you. He's always there to love on you. He never stops being good. Invite him in right now where you are. Invite him into your into your situation. Holy Spirit, would you just come upon every life that's troubled and would you just bring your peace and your nourishment and your comfort and the oil of joy, I pray. Would you revive every soul, Lord, that's gonna leave this place and go into tough stuff this week? Would you come, God, and just encourage that heart this morning, God, that's facing such a difficult week ahead of them, Lord? Would you come now by your power, Lord, and touch and rescue and lift up, God. Would you see this morning that your dad in heaven is so good and the goodness that he has cannot even be compared to any of the goodness that you receive from man. It doesn't even come close. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're good to us, Lord. Thank you that you're good to us all the time. All the time. You never change, Lord. You change your heart. In my mind, I just have the words of Jesus, you know, that I am the good shepherd. And the shepherd has a rod and he has a staff. Sometimes those things help us. <laughs> Sometimes they they kind of hurt us almost, you know. But always they're, they're for our good. They're always for our good. And I just see a rod and a staff here this morning, you know. And I just want, you know, in your heart to know that he, he's your shepherd. <laughs> he's leading you through every circumstance. He's got an end in mind. He's got a goal that he's aiming at. You haven't lost out on anything. He's, he's got your life. He's got your life. Where you are, would you just surrender to the good shepherd this morning? And say, Lord, even if it's tough, I'm going to go through this, Lord. Not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours, Dad. I know that in the end, you've got my life. You've got me, Dad. You've got me. And I want you to put your faith in his goodness this morning faith in his goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If if you're here this morning and, and you haven't yet 